So anybody else besides me ready for all the political ads to get off TV? All right. Now, as a church, we don't, we cannot, and will not support any political candidate except for Jesus Christ. Um, so we're all about Jesus. But if you don't vote, you can't complain. So go vote. Whatever that means. Welcome. If you're new to Element, there are Bibles in the back. If you don't own one, you can have one. If you forgot one, you can use one. There are not sermon notes on the communion tables this morning because Mikey looked through my message this morning and went, I don't even know what to do with this. So there are no. But if you have a smartphone, you can download version and click on live. And there are actually four points and the scriptures we go through that will be in there. So if you've got a smartphone, good for you. Way to, way to go. Uh, I have two things for you this morning. The first one is that every once in a while we partner with and work with a group in town called Community Partners in Caring. They work with elderly people throughout our community who cannot get certain things done at their house because they're older and they can't trim the hedges or weeds or things that start to grow all over their house and they don't have the money to pay somebody to do it. So we partner with them, take some people out and we go and clean up and help some of these people. Uh, there are three houses of some people in town that they don't have enough money to pay somebody to do it, and they're a little too old to be able to get out and do it themselves. So we are going to help them. If you are willing to do that, there's a sign-up sheet in the back. Just sign your name on it. We don't have the date just yet, but sign up if you're willing to come and help out in our community. It's a great thing to do. The second thing I have to talk to you... Oh, oh sorry, sorry. And then, uh, if you've ever helped out with that before with Community Partners and Caring, on... Friday, November 5th, there is a thank you banquet that you are invited to go to. Apparently, they feed you at the Radisson. You get prime rib, salmon filet, or a vegetarian dish. At the (laughs) How come it was after I said vegetarian dish you said that? Because I wouldn't even go for the vegetarian dish. But, you know, the prime rib doesn't sound half bad. All right. Now, next week, this is very important. Next week is, the, is one of the most important days of the entire year because the glory of God shines down upon His people. Time change. And we get an extra hour of sleep. So that... Uh, hallelujah. So let you know. Maybe I shouldn't tell you so you guys show up on time. Yeah, great. Why don't you guys stand me reading to God's Word? This is Job chapter 4, verses 12 through 15. And it's, it's my Halloween verse. A word was secretly brought to me. My ears caught whisper of it. Amid disquieting dreams in the night, when deep sleep falls on men, fear and trembling seized me and made all my bones shake. A spirit glided past my face. The hair on my body stood on end. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for being a God that gives us a surety of our salvation that you love us in such a way that we need fear nothing that the world throws our way. Help us to live as people in full confidence of who you are. Amen. Have a seat. So today's going to be a little bit different. It is Halloween. We're taking a step out of the Made series to do this. Everybody get your candy on the way in? Everybody got a sugar high? All right, so what I'm going to do now is I want you all to close your eyes. I'm going to weave a Halloween tale. You're like, this is the words. If you're new, we don't normally do this. All right, so close, close your eyes. Close your eyes. Go with me. Don't fall asleep. I can make that easy to do, I know, but don't fall asleep. So a man, you got to envision the tail. Mikey, close your eyes. <laughs> a man stands on the side of the road hitchhiking. It's a very dark night. A strong east wind arises that brings about a thunderous storm. Keep your eyes closed. 
Now the clouds, you read now just a little bit. It's a really loud storm. <laughs> the clouds and fog that begin to obscure everything. The road in front of this man, he can't see it at all. He's hoping for some relief, but no cars pass to pick him up on the road. The storm gets stronger. Until, see, until Aaron talks again. Until he can only see a few feet in front of his face. Then all of a sudden, out of the fog, he sees a car start to come towards him and it stops. Without thinking, he hops in the back seat of the car, says thank you, closes the door, locks it. And as he does, he realizes there's nobody behind the wheel. It slowly starts to move forward again. The guy looks up to the windshield and the clouds start to part and he sees that there's a curve coming. He doesn't know what to do. He's so scared, he actually starts to pray and beg God for his life. He's not even out of his shock when a hand comes through the window and turns the wheel. Wow, see, yay! Kids help me out here. Turns the wheel. And then he notices every time a curve comes up, a hand appears, turns the wheel, and then disappears again. He finally gains enough courage to open the door, hop out of the car, and he runs down the side of the hill to the nearest town that he can find. He runs into the cantina. He has a couple of drinks to settle his nerves. And all of a sudden, I start telling all the people in the cantina his story. This is what happened on the road. There were ghosts, and oh my goodness, I didn't know what to do. And everybody, at first they start laughing at him until they realize, oh my goodness, he's totally serious. He's actually crying. He's, he's serious about what's happened. And about half an hour later, a couple more guys come walking in the cantina, and they hear the guy telling the tale again. And the one guy looks at his friend and he says, oh my goodness, that is so amazing. Do, do you hear that story? We were on that road. We could, have, we could have gotten caught in that car. And the other guy looks at his friend and says, dude, remember we ran out of gas? That's the idiot that climbed in the back seat while we were pushing the car. <laughs> All right. It's my Halloween tale. It's what I got. So today we're gonna have a little bit of fun with this. I get lots of questions about Halloween. You know, what do we what do we do with it? How do you know we celebrate in the United States? Some people freak out, other people don't care about it at all. But what is a very good and missional approach to Halloween? Now, as you start this whole idea of Halloween, you gotta come to it and understand that we are a bizarre society. We're a little bit, in case you didn't know, it's shocker. It's crazy how we label things, how we describe things. The English language is very odd. There's no egg and eggplant. There's no ham and hamburger. There's no pine or apple and pineapple. English muffins were not invented in England. French fries weren't invented in France. Quicksand takes you down slowly. A boxing ring is square and not round. Vegetarians eat vegetables. What do humanitarians eat? See, it's that whole thing. All right. The, the, boy, you guys are quick this morning. The, the, the language and the words we use were invented by humans, and it reflects the creativity of the human race, just like Halloween. Halloween is a human invention, and just like our English language and like most human inventions, it's bizarre. Some people freak out about Halloween because they see devils and demons and they're all on the prowl. This could deal with costumes or maybe what some people have actually done with the holiday. I, though, would say the majority of the evil that takes place during Halloween does not come from devils or angels, but comes from a human source. In Jeremiah 17.9, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? The word understand, it means perceive or be acquainted with. Who even knows the thoughts of his own heart and mind? And so as Christians, reading scripture, we are told that we are to know the truth and live by that truth and not some crazy fantasies. And so we're going to be led then by our fears, by our wild imaginations and the, and the ghosts and the goblins of Halloween. Are we going to let that dictate how we live? Will we live in fear 
Or will we live as God calls us to by trusting Him and fearing no one but God alone? So how do you take a genuinely Christian view of Halloween? You know, for Christians, Halloween is really one of the hardest holidays for us to deal with. Its dark side becomes very disconcerting, holds a bit of charm. And as we remember our childhood experiences, we're like, yeah, but it was really fun when I was a kid. And so you have all these questions about it. Do we participate in it? Do we accommodate it? Do we denounce it? Uh, is it sinful and evil? Or is it just plain fun? Is it a problem? Or is it maybe an opportunity for us as a people? And so to answer these questions, I'm going to give you guys an historical basis to Halloween. And then we'll talk about it. So Halloween, 2,000 years ago plus, uh, Halloween was a celebration of Druids in honor of what was called Samhain. Now, a lot of people said, oh, Samhain, that's like an evil god. No, Samhain literally means summer's end. It was a celebration of the end of summer. Pagans celebrated the death of one season and the birth of the next. That festival fell on November 1st. Because in the place where these festivals were held, it was usually light most of the year, or during most of the day, and then when you change seasons, it got dark most of the day. So it was a transition from light into darkness. Now, some of them believe that at this point, the border between this world and the other world became very thin, because some animals and some plants started to die. You know, things do that. When there's no sunlight, things start to die. And so they believe that this allowed the dead, the dead to reach back through the veil that separated the two worlds and they could then interact with the world of the living. They had festivals with huge bonfires and people and their livestock would walk between these bonfires as a cleansing ritual. They would take bones of their slaughtered livestock and cast them into the flames. Now the Druids and many of the pagans held to believe that wicked souls who had died within the past 12 months, they had then been condemned to inhabit the bodies of animals. And as imaginations begin to grow, because they do, this veil then gets pierced, and they believed that this present world and the spirit world, and demons were released, and ghouls and witches and hobgoblins to come out and harass the living. Interestingly, which I think, I think this is kind of cool, they thought the cat was sacred, because they believed that many of these wicked souls would actually enter cats, black cats in particular, for punishment for their evil deeds. I don't know why that made them sacred animals. Seems like it would make them terrible. But during the festival of Samhain, they actually took some of these black cats and they would throw them into the fires. They'd be like, respect, kitty! <laughs> no problem. I don't have a problem with that. Whatever. So there, <laughs> there's a prevailing belief then among many nations, not just Celtic nations, uh, that at death, uh, souls were taken by good spirits and brought into paradise, and then souls by bad spirits or from bad people were left to inhabit the realm between the earth and the moon. So they kind of hung out there. And so the Druids believed that on this one night of the year, this eve of the Samhain festival, the spirits of the dead returned to their original homes along with ghosts and goblins that they brought with them. The Celts actually thought that the presence of all these otherworldly spirits made it easier for the Druids and uh, the Celtic priests to make predictions about the coming year. And again, with, with all the imagination that takes place because of their fear from going from light into darkness, they are very dependent upon the volatile natural world. And so these prophecies made it easier for them to have comfort in what was coming along. Now, in order to protect themselves, they'd be, to make themselves immune to attacking demons, people would disguise themselves. They'd dress up as devils or ghouls. They attempted to ward off evil spirits by carving grotesque and ugly faces in gourds and putting uh, candles inside of them, sometimes even in <gasps> pumpkins. Okay? In, order to put, in order to placate the evil spirits, they would then take fruits and a variety of treats and put them out in front of their homes to try and placate the spirits, because apparently spirits can eat food. They'd have a vegetarian plate at the Radisson, just for them, because no one else would eat it. Uh, if, 
if the dead creatures were very satisfied and you know and and it was they would then leave you in peace and let you be happy if they were not satisfied then you didn't offer them any treats they would then cast a spell upon your family and wreak havoc on your home for the following year now in AD 43 the Romans had conquered most of the entire known world in the course of the 400 years that they ruled the Celtic lands two festivals of Roman origins got mixed with the festival of Samhain the first one is called Feralia and Feralia was a date in late October and the Romans commemorated the passing of their dead and so it coincided very well with their Samhain festival the second one was to honor the goddess Pomona Pomona was the goddess of fruit and trees the symbol of Pomona most uh, most used is actually an apple. And I think this is where the, the thing of bobbing for apples comes from. It's like, oh, Pomona. I don't know. What, whatever. So then as Christianity begins to spread throughout the Roman Empire, many pagans and druids, they hear the hope and the message of the gospel and they believe because this is so much more comforting, not having to have fear and all these things and simply trusting in Christ. But they come into the church and they're very superstitious. They didn't have Bibles back then. Most of them were illiterate, so they couldn't read anyway. And without proper education, many of these new believers bring their, all their old superstitions with them into the church, including their belief in ghouls and ghosts and goblins. By the 800s, the influence of Christianity had actually spread through most of the Celtic lands. In the 7th century, Pope Boniface IV designated November 1st as All Saints Day. All Saints Day. And this is a time, he said, to honor saints and martyrs. This is an effort to give the people they were reaching something that reached into their culture and touched them while also giving them the truth of the gospel at the same time. And so they said, rather than fearing the onslaught of all of these evil spirits who were condemned during the course of the year, this day now celebrates the saints and the martyrs who had died that year. So they held a mass, and at this mass, they celebrated saints and martyrs that had died. And the mass, the night before, on October 31st, was called All Hallow Mass. October 31st became All Halloween, or Halloween, and it literally means Holy Evening. Really? Yes, Halloween literally means Holy Evening. Thus, All Hallows' Eve is simply an attempt on the part of Christianity to overwhelm the tradition of fear and ghouls and goblins with the truth of the gospel. Now, you go centuries later. You have European immigrants that come to America. They start bringing their varied Halloween customs with them. Colonial Halloween festivities featured telling of ghost stories like the guy in the car, you know, mischief-making. In the second half of the 19th century, you get a whole new influx of immigrants from Ireland, from the potato famine of 1846, and this helped popularize this whole idea of Halloween on a national level. And so they took this Irish and English traditions, and then Americans began to dress up and go house to house asking for food and money. This eventually becomes trick-or-treating. One tradition that didn't actually come through was that in Ireland, young women believed that on Halloween they could divine the name or the appearance of their future husband. They did this with tricks with yarn, apple parings, or mirrors. And I have no idea what that would look like. It's like, apples in the mirror with my yarn. I don't know. Whatever. So today, <laughs> so today Halloween's become scary for a lot of people. But I think much of the horror source is simply the human heart because our human heads can think of so much crazy stuff. I mean, today we make crazy movies that come out on Halloween. It's like, what are they on, Saw 20 or something? We got these, I don't watch scary, well, I like scary movies, but I scream like a girl. I climb up on the couch, I pull off my socks, and I pick my toenails, and I go, ah, and I scream. If there's, I do. We were watching a movie once with my friend John, and it went from like black to white real fast, and I was like, ah, and it was just a white, I don't know. So my friend, my friend Matt, he won't even watch him because it's too much suspense. I'm like, ah, you baby, just scream like me. 
Whatever. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think that ancient people were any less creative than we are? No, of course not. Halloween's holdover people is simply fear. The fear that dead spirits and evil goblins and the roam in the earth and they're coming to get us. The Druids in Celtic Europe, they begin to masquerade as evil spirits with this, these costumes and these silly beliefs that by wearing masks you can confuse a ghost or a spirit that you're on the same side as them. I mean, seriously, if there are ghosts and spirits, are they really that stupid? That's like, oh my goodness, they look just like me. You know, they're not floating, but they look like me. You know, it's, it's stupid. Halloween's deepest roots are decidedly human, and they come from fear-filled practices. So what should we do as Halloween? At, with Halloween? I'll give you three things. One, you remember God. You remember God. There is no God like our God. In any situation where you feel overwhelmed and what, what's going on, you freak out, remember Jesus. The big E on the I chart. It is Jesus. When everything comes down to you, it is Jesus. Don't, thank you. Don't forget Jesus. Number two, remember that he has spoken. God has spoken in his word. His word is truth. When something conflicts with God's word, you go with God's word because it is truth. And number three, you remember who has real power. He has real power. In Hebrews 2, 14 and 15, it says, Since the children have flesh and blood, talking about Jesus, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. You do not need to live in fear. Place your trust in Christ and the power that he has because he can back up every single one of his claims. He has power over death. Now, if you have a Bible, I want you to open to Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. You're like, I'm not my Bible. Yes, you are today. Romans 14. With this perspective in Halloween in mind, what would be then a biblical missional perspective of Halloween? Now, you can't go to your Bible and take a concordance and look up Halloween because it's not going to be in there. But I think this passage of Scripture helps us to understand what's going on. Romans 14, verses 1 through 8 says this. Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. One man's faith allows him to eat everything, but another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The man who eats everything must not look down on him. Uh, must not look down on him. That's so funny. I didn't even realize that was there when I was talking about it. <laughs> the man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not. Who eats only vegetables, apparently. And the man who does not eat everything, I guess only vegetables, must not condemn the man who does. For God has accepted him. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One man considers one day more sacred than another. Another man considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. He who regards one day as special does so to the Lord. He who eats meat eats to the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For one of us... Uh, for none of us live to himself alone, and none of us dies to himself alone. If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Now, the Apostle Paul addresses two specific issues, I think, that relate to Halloween. The first one is meat that has been sacrificed to pagan gods, and the second thing is holidays. In, in the early church, when Paul writes this, there are many Christians, as I mentioned earlier, who brought their old superstitions with them into the church when they became Christians. And so they, they converted from paganism and they saw, you know, Zeus and Hermes and Athena all as these gods and they would abstain from eating any meat that was sacrificed to them because they believed that would be worshipping them. So they didn't eat any of the meat and they said, I'm not going to eat that at all. Other Christians who were more mature in their faith realized that gods such as Zeus, Hermes and Athena didn't really exist. They're just myths and they're fairy tales. Therefore, they had no problem eating anything that had been sacrificed to those gods. Maybe they'd get even the meat even cheaper. Be like, oh, I'll take that. 
The second thing, there are some Christians who wanted to celebrate special holidays, such as Hanukkah or Passover or other Jewish celebrations, and other Christians believe that every day was the same because they were all created by Jesus. And that, you know, if you wanted to celebrate a, holy, a, a, a holiday, which literally means holy day, you didn't have to unless God specifically commands you to do so. To all these Christians, Paul says in Romans 15, 7, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Now, if you take these two examples and you put them together, you get a clearer perspective on Halloween. Halloween is, is a holiday, a, a holy day, that was once dedicated to a pagan god. Some people understand there's no such thing as ghosts or goblins and no problem celebrating Halloween. Others believe that Halloween, with their dubious origins and what people have done with it nowadays, that Christians should not be involved in it at all. I believe that Paul would tell us exactly what he told the Romans. If it bothers your conscience, then don't participate. If, on the other hand, you can celebrate in a way that honors God, which hopefully we will all grow into in maturity and be able to do that, like the early Christians did, then you go for it. In 1 Corinthians 10.31, it says, Whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all to the glory of God. Do you know that Christmas and Easter were both uh, uh, pagan festivals in origin? And yet that doesn't prevent Christians from captivating kids with tales about the birth or the resurrection of Christ. Halloween is no different. Just because, you know, it, it originally centered on druids and, and ghouls and goblins rather than a furry woodland creature like a rabbit or a jolly fat man doesn't put it in some other category. As long as we understand the difference between reality and fantasy and we communicate the difference to our children. That is what is important. Churches are always encouraging Christians to use holidays like Easter or Christmas to go out and reach people. Tell them about Jesus. I suggest you do the exact same thing for Halloween and more so. In my opinion, and you can disagree if you want, the worst thing Christians can do on Halloween is turn off the lights, lock the door, and hide. Or maybe, and I don't say this to offend anybody if you're going to one of these, but and I think another terrible thing is to go and, and have like a little festival where you invite everybody over and say, oh, we're going to go hide over here. and not. We were called to go out into the world. We are sent. We are sent. We are saved, and then we are sent. In Luke 19.10, Jesus says that he was sent to earth to seek and save the lost. That is our mission too. He places us on mission. In Matthew 5, 16, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they will see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. You've got to let your light shine. You can't shut off your lights and hide and put it under a little basket. I don't want people to see my light. It's Halloween. No, you should put it out there. It's Halloween. Turn on your porch light and your spiritual light. On a day that's typically known for its darkness, be missional. Live as a light. You are in your neighborhood that you are for a reason. Halloween gives you the greatest opportunity to reach out and get to know your neighbors. What other day can you go to your neighbor's house, ring their doorbell, they will open the door with a smile and give you candy? It's a beautiful day. And you can say, hi, I live right over there. Oh, these are my kids. Say hi, kids. And all of a sudden you make a connection with your neighbors. You are beginning to be missional, what God calls you to. Halloween is a great opportunity. And if, if you don't have kids, buy candy. Stay home. Turn the porch light. Open the door. Smile. Give. Don't hand out Bible tracts. Give out rot your teeth candy. Your neighbor's kids will appreciate you. And, you're, and you smile and say hi to their parents. Oh, these are your kids. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, how long you lived in the neighborhood? And you get to start talking to people. You get to be missional. Engage the culture you live in. I'll give you four things. Number one, don't turn out the lights and ignore it. 
Halloween will not go away. If you don't support it, determine to turn a negative into a positive. Number two, if you stay home, buy some candy, answer the door and put candy in kids' bags and be kind and say hi to their parents. Number three, if you have kids, don't take fun away from them. You don't have to dress them up like Satan, but take them out trick-or-treating. Again, you get to go door to door with your kids. They open, people open the doors and smile and you get to talk to people and they're actually happy about it. And number four, pray. Pray. Pray for the safety of kids who are out on Halloween who don't have parents who will go out with them. And more importantly, pray the gospel goes out that maybe some of the connections you make on this night would actually bring about some fruit and that some lost soul might come to know Jesus. Now, uh, Lori Beth Jones, I, I don't recommend a lot of stuff she writes because she's a little crazy, but she, wrote, she writes this book called Grow Something Besides Old. And in this book, she writes one Halloween night, she had all these kids come more than she ever thought she was going to have. She runs out of candy. So what she starts to do is she hands out quarters, nickels, and dimes to the kids that come. One five-year-old girl, girl shows up. She's dressed as a fairy princess, you know, crown, wand, everything. And so what she does is she gives her a couple quarters, puts them in her bag. She says, I don't have any more candy, but tomorrow you can take these to the store and you can turn these into some real candy. And the little girl looks back at her and says, Lady, this isn't a real wand. <laughs> you guys are in a good mood today. I don't know what to do with Jesus calls his people. I feel like I'm in a sitcom. I've got to wait for you guys to stop. <laughs> Jesus calls his people to be missional, to step into the darkness, bring the light, make a difference. So you love Jesus. You do not fear anything but God. Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King, but Martin Luther, the church reformer, wrote in A Mighty Fortress is Our God. He says this, And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure, when little words shall fail him. You need to offer others the same hope that you know as well. No fear, hope in Christ, making connections, being missional. That's what God calls you to. And now you take this, this holiday that has tried to become so dark and horrible, and you come in, and you bring the light, and you make a difference. Halloween can be a great, holy day. We invite you guys to communion. Communion is a place to remember that Jesus Christ did die for us, rise from the dead. You take that cracker and you break it like his body was broken for us. You dip it in the wine of the grape juice like his blood that was shed for you and I. So we do not need to fear anything in the world. We do not need to fear because he is a great God that has come and sought us and saved us. Uh, we invite you guys to worship God through song. The band's going to come up. First song after the message, I told Sean I wanted him to do it because it's kind of all. It's not Halloween-y, but a little maybe, whatever. So, uh, and, and if, if you are maybe someone who, who has spent a lot of your time wondering how to engage this holiday in, in a positive way, take a few moments and just pray about it. Ask God, you know, what, what you should do about it, especially if you're very fearful of it. We have, we have deacons and elders in the back, and if you need prayer, go pray with them. If you're like, oh, I'm a little scared of Halloween, but I really want to be missional, go pray with them. They would love to pray with you. We're going to worship God through giving. There's offering boxes on the side wall and in the very back, and we give because God gave so much to us. Giving is part of our worship, and worship God through fellowship. Uh, my wife and Michelle made a bunch of goodies. They're all in the back, and they look very bad for you, so I'm sure they taste very good. And part of that is, again, to get you guys to connect to each other. And, and maybe my wife and I, we live, we live out on a farm in the middle of nowhere, and so no one's going to come to our house unless it's like, ding, I'm going to drove my car in a ditch. Can you help me? You know, so, which has actually happened. Um, so, so, you know, maybe, it, maybe find some friends, meet some people, go hang out at their house tonight. 
and maybe be able to hand out candy and talk to their neighbors and be like, hey, nice to see you. Guys, you are called to be missional. Live and be missional, sharing the hope and the joy and the love of who Jesus Christ is and all that you do. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, giving us truth so we can be a people who do not need to fear. God, help us to be a people who trust you wholeheartedly. That in a world that does have so much shadows in it, that we can be a people who live in the hope and the truth that you bring. Have us be lights. Have us be missional. Have us, have us share your joy. Especially at a night like this that maybe a lot of people have tried to do the wrong things with. And yet we come in and we can redeem because of what you called us to be as your people. Have us share your hope and your love and your goodness with all of our neighbors. Have us truly understand how we are to be your missionaries to the neighborhoods in which we live. Offering your hope and your light. Thank you. We ask these things in your son's name. Amen.